This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. They went on this hunt every year. It was called the Big Kahuna Hunt. It's some kind of voodoo magic that the woods and nature has on beginner hunters. It happens every time. They think about one thing and one thing only for, you know, week, two week span, and that is uh, finding their lady. <laughs> Elk hunting's way easier white to hunt. You can get so close, and uh, I'm wrong. I can tell you that. Someone can go on my profile and click my gearboxes and look at all of my setups, whether it be my bass fishing, whitetail, elk hunting setup. Every message we get, every request, we, we listen to it and we entertain the idea. This is John Hunter, and you're listening to The Wild Initiative. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. There's a lot of people that can pull the trigger on an animal, but they don't know what to do with it after. If you would have told me that a stupid turkey was going to make me get that excited, I'd have told you you were crazy. It's just a skill that you have to perfect over a lot of years. Hunting is a tribal activity. We've lost the tribe. We can't even hunt together anymore. Well, the people that are anti-hunting are usually pro-abortion. So kill the people, save the animals. I just remember riding my horse back to camp with the northern lights and the moose behind me, and I'm like, this is why I've done this. This is as cool as an experience as I will get. Hi, this is Jim Shockey. This is Sam Sohol, the public land bus guy. Hi, I'm Kimmy Greentree. Hi, this is South Cox with the Western Bowhunter Podcast. Hey, this is Ben Dedamonte, a.k.a. Shed Crazy. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. What's up, y'all? Welcome to episode 125 of The Wild Initiative. Before we get started, as always, a huge thank you to Sawyer Products for their continued support of the podcast. Y'all, as we're getting into the winter months, you are probably happy like I am to see all the mosquitoes and ticks and bugs go back to hell where they belong. And while in the winter months, ticks do become less active, unless it is below freezing, the black ticks or deer ticks that carry Lyme disease can still be active. There's even some research that shows in areas with heavy leaf cover Even below freezing, these deer ticks will still survive and can be a danger to you. So y'all, make sure you are staying vigilant, spray down your clothing, your gear with Sawyer Permethrin and Picaridin. Y'all, it is the best product out there and it protects against the ticks that carry Lyme disease. Stay vigilant this winter. Head on over to Sawyer.com slash Lyme hyphen disease to learn more. Also, y'all, for those of you who are looking to start a brand, a podcast, or maybe you already have a brand and you are looking to upgrade your marketing and your web presence, I am currently offering full media services. If you're looking for podcast production, marketing, a new website, social management, any of that, I have been working in the digital space for almost 20 years now. I've been doing it professionally as a career for a good 15 years, and now that I'm freelancing, I'm bringing all of that experience to your personal brand. So 
head on over to the website. Under the media tab, there's a section for design, marketing, and branding. You can click on that and check out some of the prior work I've done. And then scroll down and set up a time for a quick consultation with me. We can talk about your brand, talk about your needs, and hopefully get you set up with some brand new digital services. Y'all, you can talk to any of my prior clients. They'll tell you that they get top-notch service for an absolutely reasonable price. So make sure y'all shoot me an email or head on over to the website and set up a time for a consultation. You can find that at thewildinitiative.com under the media tab. Finally, y'all, as a personal request, those of you that have been listening for a long time are fans of Living Country in the City and the Wild Initiative. I would ask that you head on over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a quick rating and review of the podcast. Those ratings are really integral to the growth of the Wild Initiative and helping get it in front of more eyes and really spread this content to more people. Additionally, I would ask that you take just a couple minutes out of your day to head on over to my support page at thewildinitiative.com slash support. There are a ton of options on how you can really become part of the Wild Initiative team. The ultimate of which is heading on over to my Patreon page and committing to a small monthly contribution. There are lots of options that come with some great rewards. Even the $1 a month option has some awesome rewards, including your own personal private ad-free feed of the podcast. So you don't have to listen to me rambling on for five minutes at the beginning of every episode. You can just get right into the meat of the content. And seriously, y'all, every contribution helps a ton. You could become an absolutely integral part of what I'm doing here with the Wild Initiative for just $1 a month. That's just $12 a year, and you are effectively a key part of ensuring that I can continue to bring this awesome content year-round. Seriously, a dollar a month. Y'all probably lose more change than that in your couch and your dryer each month. So even if you don't think you can contribute, I would appreciate you heading on over to the support page, checking out the options there, and checking out what's available on my Patreon. Just give it a look. I think you might be surprised on what there is to offer and how you can get involved. So again, that's thewildinitiative.com slash support or thewildinitiative.com slash Patreon. All right, y'all, on to today's episode. Today, I'm talking with John Hunter. John is the chief strategy officer of Go Wild. I met him through Brad Luttrell. And John is an awesome guy. He's a pro fisherman. He is a longtime whitetail hunter. And he has a really unique perspective because he, a few years back, just went on his very first elk hunt. And so we have a great time sitting down, not only talking about a bit of a beginner's guide to whitetail and tree stand hunting, but then we also get into some really awesome thoughts on elk hunting, how it differs from the hunting that he's typically used to. And we talk a little bit about everything from mindset to training to gear. So I think this will be a really cool episode that just about everyone can get a little something out of. So I hope you all enjoy episode 125 with John Hunter. All right, y'all, here we are, another episode of The Wild Initiative. Today, I am sitting here with John, well, I guess not sitting here with you, but uh, I am on the line with uh, John Hunter of Go Wild. John, how are you doing today? Doing well. How are, how are you, Sam? I'm doing pretty good. As we were talking, uh, we were talking a little bit earlier. I got, uh, I was on my way out to uh, set up the laptop for the podcast and got distracted by mule deer in the backyard and uh, almost, uh, <laughs> almost dialed in late because of it. But uh, I figured that's a forgivable offense. Yeah, absolutely, man. I am. Uh, I, that the deer is heavy on my mind as well as I am uh, in the truck traveling to uh our family's farm in south southern kentucky southeastern kentucky to uh it's really my first chance uh, i've had to get in the get in the woods this year I, I went on an elk hunt uh in september but uh i've just been really busy to get out and and, and uh and do some whitetail hunting, but it is the time of the year. Love is in the air here. Uh, <laughs> they are in full blown. 
they're in full blown, uh, full blown rut, man. So I am, my, I am headed to get in a tree stand for about the next week. So I'm stoked. Well, I'm actually not far behind you. I am, uh, I will be after this packing, um, and I'll be flying out to, well, I'll be flying out to Nashville to meet up with a buddy. And then we are going to be driving into, uh, the Ozarks in Missouri for, uh, for deer camp with about nine guys, uh, nice little, uh, nice little contrast to the elk hunt, the fairly brutal elk hunt I've been on for the <laughs> six weeks prior. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a little uh, little different speed elk hunting and whitetail. Um, there's no doubt about that. You know, there. I'm I'm looking forward to going going to the lodge, sitting by the fire, having a good meal, maybe drinking some bourbon and enjoying time with buddies, rather than you know hoping I brought enough layers to not freeze my ass off on a the side of a mountain. <laughs> um, while I'm eating, uh, while I'm eating protein bars and glassing, hoping I don't have to hike through a, another thousand foot drop yeah. of pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny you say that, uh, whitetail hunting, it's, it, it's just, it's just a totally different, I, I feel like when we go elk hunting, you know, I, I went with my uncle and my dad and, uh, you know, the people you want to be with, you know, the right camaraderie and all that, but it's just elk hunting is just so full tilt and all out that it's like, I don't even feel like we even hung out when we were there, you know, like, and, and I, and don't get me wrong. I, if I had to pick, if I had to pick, you get to go elk hunting today or you get to go whitetail hunting. I'm going to pick elk hunting. Um, but with that said, if you're looking for a week to just kind of go relax, that's not really it and just hang out and like talk to people but whitetail yeah it's a it's a lot different speed for me it seems like the way we do it you know um uh, you know we don't do a ton of holiday sets we will every now and then but it's mostly you know uh come back hang out talk lunch go out for a little longer come back campfire it's just uh it's a little more a little more laid back yeah i'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. And I mean, I've, I've sat in a tree stand before my actual first, a couple experiences hunting were sitting in a tree stand, uh, out in Mississippi, actually right around this time of year, it was like a Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving hunt. And, you know, I mean, I had no idea what I was doing I wasn't prepared. I, you know, um, but I, I, I did discover that it's, you know, it's funny you talk about like, okay, you know, it's, it's very intense when you go elk hunting, all of this stuff. And it's a lot more relaxed and casual when you're whitetail hunting, at least the, the way we're both going to be doing it. Um, but there's, it takes like a weird, I've, I think I've talked about it before. It takes like a weird skill. It is definitely a skill to be able to sit in a tree stand without moving, but the whole time, stay alert, stay focused, be ready at any moment for, you know, does or buck to walk out. Like it is not a skill that everyone has. And I am not one of those people. <laughs> yeah. I, and to be honest with you, I struggle with it at times. I'm kind of with you. I, I, I love it. I've grown up doing it. And, um, you know, the past couple of years I've really got into elk hunting and that's why I think I've really taken a, a liking and, and love to that, uh, is because, you know, there, there is no sitting. <laughs> it's always, uh, it's always a running gun game. And, uh, but you know, I, I, I always will. I mean, whitetail hunting is my roots. It's where I came from. I'll always love it. And that's why I'm stoked to, to get up there, but you're totally right, man. Sitting in a tree stand for three, four hours, five hours at a time is, uh, it's not easy. I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's easy when they're moving, which right now there's snow on the ground. It's, it's 20 degrees, which is unusual for this time of the year. And they're, they're flat out moving, uh, during the day, which, uh, makes, makes it easier to sit, sit in the tree all day. Um, mm -hmm. but when they're not, man, it's a tough, it's a tough deal, but it always happens when you least expect it. So can't kill them on the couch. <laughs> so speaking of your roots, uh, one thing I always like to kind of do to introduce my guests is just have you talk a little bit about how you got your start in the outdoor, who introduced you, you know, uh, how did you get into hunting? Yeah. Uh, 
you know, everyone's got their story, man. Uh, mine's uh, probably similar to other, a lot of other people. Uh, I grew up, you know, around my dad and uncle, they, they always hunted as I grew up. They, they went on this hunt every year. It was called the big kahuna hunt. It would be my dad, my uncle, my grandpa, and, uh, you know, a handful of their buddies. They'd have eight to 10 of them. Uh, you know, when I was young, they were younger too, you know, young parents and they were, you know, they didn't have money to have all these fancy leases. So usually they would, they would find a decent track of land and talk to landowners and let them hunt. They would be in a barn or one year, a few years they do it. They did a big GP medium tent with like 10 guys in there and cots. And, uh, my mom would always take me out to the camp during the day when they would be between hunts and I would get to go hang out with all the guys and, uh, I always wanted to go. I would ask year after year, you know, five years old, no, six years old, no. And I was about eight years old. Um, I think I had bugged them enough. Uh, and they finally said, okay, uh, you know, you're old enough. It's time to, it's time to let you go. So I had no rifle at the time, you know, it, they weren't going to go out rightfully so and spend a bunch of money on something that I was doing for the first time. So I had no rifle, no camo. So I put on my dad's, smallest camo he could find and all my extra warm <laughs> layers and uh they grabbed my grandpa's old 20 gauge shotgun we went and bought some slugs no scope or anything and we're a rifle state you know you could shoot you can shoot them with a rifle and you know there's no restrictions but uh so i had 20 gauge a slug and some camo about four sizes too big for me but dude i was <laughs> stoked and ready to go uh, you know, it was more so just I was I was finally getting to do it. I was uh, I was with the I was with the older guys. I was I was part of the crew. And uh, man, my first morning, I went with my uncle that morning. We hiked up a really really tall long ridge, but it was probably not tall at all. But it, the way I remember it, it was a big monster hike in. And uh, we get we get settled in, and it's dark, and. Dude, it's just starting to crack daylight. And this only happens to beginners, right? This doesn't happen to, to just every, you know, mm-hmm. you know, this doesn't happen only to beginners. It's just something, it's some kind of voodoo magic that the woods <laughs> and nature has on beginner hunters. It, it happens every time. I'm there, it's 15 minutes, it's breaking daylight and a buck, and it looks like, the biggest deer, you know, that walks the planet to me. It, it <laughs> crosses the ridge about 10 feet, or not 10 feet, I'm sorry, it's 10 yards right in front of me. And uh, I freak out and I tap off. I'm like, it's a deer, it's a deer. And uh, it hit, the deer hears me and it runs about 30, 40 yards and stops. So it's only, still only 50 yards at this point. And he turns around and he's in disbelief too that this actually happened this quick on my first hunt. And he said, all right, all right. And um, he told me, he said, get your gun up there and shoot it. So I ripped my gun up really quick. And he said, take your time, take your time. Uh, and he didn't uh, even get that out of his mouth, man. And I, there was smoke in the air. Oh! You know, <laughs> you know, boom, ears ringing. And I look up, did I hit him? Did I hit him? And he's looking at me really funny, like, you know, like what happened to you? And, I'm, and then, dude, it set in, man. I had this, like burning sensation on my eye and um and i you know next thing i know it's about swollen shut i just pulled the stock right up to my cheek and fired away no form uh <laughs> so i had a uh, black eye from the recoil we missed the deer uh, you know that and that that's how it went that was my first hunt and uh it's something that i'll I'll never forget, dude. It was one of the most exciting, exciting times ever, really. <laughs> that's kind of, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of perfect though, isn't it? Like, <laughs> it is. It, that's how it should go. It really, you, yeah. you shouldn't, I would hate to have killed a buck in the first 15 minutes of, uh, of me hunting. I might've not came back. I might've just been like, oh, well, that was cool. <laughs> um, but you know, the, the, the miss and the agony, it, it's what, it's what brings us, it's what brings us back. The close, the close calls. Oh man, that's fantastic. So, uh, so you pretty much grew up hunting. Um, tell me a little bit more about this, uh, big kahuna hunt. So, uh, the big kahuna hunt lives on to this day. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we get to do it in a little bit more style these days. Uh, 
you know, my uncle and dad, have, they've both done well with their businesses. So now, you know, uh, they're, they're able to afford, they were able to afford a big lease and then they ended up buying some land. And so now we've got a couple different properties. We got, uh, uh, we've got one, it's, uh, about 1200 acres down on the Cumberland river. And then we've got another big 4,000 acre lease. We're in on with a couple other guys. And, uh, we, every year we have the big Kahuna hunt and, uh, there's about 12 people who participate, close family and friends. And, uh, you know, pretty much we invite people out to the farm. We're there for three, three days. And it's, uh, there's a traveling trophy and everything, man. Whoever kills biggest deer, at least 130 inch minimum, uh, wins the trophy. So, uh, it's, uh, it's something that everyone looks forward to. It keeps exciting. And, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's awesome. It's, it's a tradition that's been going since 1987. Um, oh, that man. was first started by Jim, my grandpa and dad. And it's, uh, we're, uh, what are we, we're on 30 years now, past 30 years. So pretty neat. That is, that's absolutely incredible. And that's, that's one of those things, you know, I, uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, cause I'm kind of, a. I, I hesitate to say that I'm like a first generation hunter because there are, there is a history of hunting in my family, but you know, my, my dad and grandpa didn't really do it um, at, you know, and it wasn't like I really grew up with it. So I do kind of consider myself a first generation hunter. And, you know, as, uh, as I kind of continue through this, I'm really looking forward to seeing which of those traditions develop and, uh, how things go. And, you know, if I, if I ever have kids, uh, you know, the kind of, the kind of traditions we put together, because I think that's so integral to, to hunting. I mean, the traditions with our family, the, just the tradition of hunting in general and how it connects us to so much of our history. Absolutely, man. That's, uh, I agree with you. That's what it's about. It's about memories you know, being with the right people. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's what it's in my mind. That's what it's all about. So is, is this what you're going out for? Are you, uh, right now, are you heading out for the big kahuna hunt or is this just, I am. uh, yep, absolutely. Okay. Yep. Yep. I'm on my way right now. We'll, uh, we're going to hunt one farm for a few days and then, uh, most of the people come in Thursday evening, Friday morning, uh, at the other farm, so we'll slide over there and uh, greet everyone and uh, get the festivities underway. <laughs> it, that, actually, I mean, I've explained it. I, I have Go Wild. We made a video on it called Traditions. Is actually the name of it, and uh, it's on. Uh, I believe it's on YouTube. Uh, it's a cool little video, and I kind of kind of talk about the whole uh, the whole hunt and uh, how it's developed and everything else. I will definitely make sure to pull that up. I think Brad actually uh, sent that to me. Um, so I will make sure to get that up on the uh, on the show notes page for this episode. That'll be thewildinitiative.com slash 125. That just, geez, man, I can't believe I've released that many episodes still. Um, <laughs> there's certain numbers that, get, that, that do it to me. And 125, that just sounds like so many. Uh, can't believe I've talked to that many people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of talking. <laughs> oh yeah, and I and I talk a lot. Um, so for someone that is, you know, one of one of the big reasons I started this podcast was because I very selfishly wanted an excuse to get some tips and tactics and and learn from uh, people that have been doing this a lot longer than I have. So since I am, I'm effectively getting ready, you know, I sat in a tree stand once or twice, but uh, uh, let's face it. I was mostly just sitting. I, I was not hunting. Um, but, uh, so effectively I'm going on my first real like white tail tree stand hunt here. What, uh, what should I keep in mind, you know, as I'm, as I'm preparing to go out, maybe, uh, what uh what should i what should i be expecting <laughs> other than other than sitting yeah. in a tree stand and feeling all the warmth and joy slowly sucked out of my body in that tree stand well that's 
that's the first that's the first thing that I always tell people, you know, if they're not used to sitting, you know, doing set hunts is just be prepared gear wise, you know, as far as your clothing, um, you want to make sure you're warm because if you're not warm, you're going to lose focus on the task at hand. You're going to start thinking about how cold you are. You're not going to be into the hunt. It's just going to not be a good situation. Um, so I would say to the best of your ability, pack the right clothes, um, you know, make sure you have wool socks, you know, wool is good because it can get wet if you sweat going in on your feet. Um, just have the right gear, wool socks, you know, gloves. Um, and that's another thing. Pack, if you have a long walk-in, don't wear all your layers. I mean, people who elk hunt know that. Don't wear all your layers because you're going to sweat going in here. You get to the stand, you're going to be wet, and then you're going to be miserable. So pack your clothes in, have enough of them. When you get there, as you get cold, we'll be cool down. Put them on, and uh, that way you can focus on, on what's important, and that is uh, killing a deer. So uh, next... Shoot, I was going to say really quick, Yeah, I'm, I'm curious and I've, I've seen these things and I don't know, at least not that I'm aware of, I don't know anyone that's used them. Have you ever, have you ever used or seen one of those? I mean, they're basically like a tree stand sleeping bag or snuggie or something. It's like a giant body sack that you can like pop your arms out of. Have you ever seen those? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Have you used have, one? Man. I've, no, I have not used one. I have not. Um, but I have seen them. I know what you're talking about. Um, doesn't look like a bad like a bad deal. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I've just, yeah. I've just always been curious because they look like the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Um, you know, it's funny. Every, every different type of hunt has its own, I guess, super unique gadgets and little things here and there. And, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of hunting you do. There is a way to get totally extra on that hunt. And, you know, I mean, and I feel like I've seen, I've seen some gadgets for, you know, whether it's, you know, in online stores or magazines or whatever, some gadgets for tree stand hunting, man, where you're building a condo up there. And it's not even, it's not like a box blind, man. This is just a condo strapped to a tree. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I'm surprised half of these people don't have a TV up there to watch the football game. No doubt. <laughs> well, they do. It's their phone. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's going to, that's one thing, man. I got to, you know, and I'm sure I've seen, I've seen people talking about that a lot. I got to, I got to really school myself to not be on my phone while I'm up there. Cause I swear there was a few times where I'm, where I definitely, uh, was a, a day late and a dollar short because I was sitting there, uh, playing candy crush or something instead of, uh, really focusing on what I should have, <laughs> what I should have been. Absolutely. Yeah. It is tough. It's a distraction. Um, but you know, they're good to have though for an emergency and all that stuff, um, communication with other people, but yeah, I get it. It is a distraction and no one's going to not, look at it a few times so especially when you're sitting there for hours on end it's a nice little break to entertain your mind for a minute or two but as long as we can you can remember to put them down and and, and dial, dial it back in i think it's all right <laughs> so is there any other you know we talked about a good like layering system making sure your your clothes are on point and and warm enough for sitting without moving for a couple hours on end um what other gear may be unique to uh to whitetail hunting from a tree stand that uh, that I should make sure that I have in my kit to take with me? Yeah, so I'll just kind of go over like it's going to be really cold. I don't know about your your forecast is. Ours is looking like it's probably similar. We're 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 close to those arcs, but we're looking like in the morning like 20s, like during the day 40s. But, you know, you're probably not going to get above freezing for your morning hunt. So it's going to be pretty cold when you're sitting sitting still, stagnant, you know, no blood flowing or anything. Um, so what I like to do is I like to – I have a polar layer, base layer. Um, I wear that. And then I'll wear a, a pair of uh, cotton socks. And then I'll actually put those toe warmer things on my cotton socks with another pair of wool socks over it. Um, and then I'll wear my boots. 
and then, you know, layer appropriately for your body, depending on the temperature. Uh, that's how I keep my feet warm though. And then I, you know, I'll put on, uh, after that I'll put on usually my, my, my waist down rarely gets cold. And I think that's the case on most people. You the most important parts, your core, your chest, back, you know, neck, stuff like that head. And, uh, so, you know, your, your legs and stuff, I just wear my, my polar layer and then my, my heavy, you know, my heavier hunting pants. And then up top, I'll, I'll layer accordingly how I feel, you know, based on the, based on the, the temperature and the forecast. And so, um, aside, aside from layers, what, what kind of gear do you bring with you? Obviously, you know, you got your rifle or your bow, um, you know, snacks, what else, what else do you bring up with you? Yeah. So snacks are important. <laughs> Never <laughs> hungry, but, uh, yeah, the, your weapon, if you're taking a bow, you always want to have an extra release. That's pretty standard for archery. Um, I always have that. Um, and really I don't, you know, I take a couple other things. I take a knife for, you know, skinning knife and I'll take a range finder and, the other two big things are I'll take my, you know, whether it be rattling antlers, I personally use the night and hail rattling system. It's, uh, it's basically two just plastic things with kind of like, uh, you know, nubs on the end and they're, they're compact. You're not carrying around big antlers. They sound great. Um, the biggest deer I've ever shot, I rattled in with them. I've rattled in tons of deer. Um, I always have those and I always have a grunt call. The grunt call, you know, a lot of times it can keep, you know, it can stop them if they're, if they're moving. Um, I don't, I've never had a lot of luck grunting them in. Um, it'll make, you know, if they're on the outskirts, I have grunted them closer just for their curiosity, um, sake, but the night hail rattling system, that's, I mean, the, I've rattled in, like, I know I've rattled there cause they come running in. Um, when it's, when it gets to be this time of the year is a couple week period when they're rutting and, uh, and they're ready to roll, man. They're, you know, testosterone's up. Uh, they're, they're swollen up and, uh, uh, ready to, ready to mark, you know, keep their territory there. So if they hear, if they hear that they're, they, a lot of times they'll come, they'll come running in ready to go. Yeah. So I'm, cause I'm, you know, I'm more used to, to planning for elk and calling elk and, you know, there's similar tactics, uh, you know, grabbing a stick and raking trees and things like that. But yeah, generally with, you know, with elk, your main, your main focus is, is using your calls and, and trying to call them in unless you're glassing them up. And, and so that's not so much the case with, with whitetail, you'll, you'll tend to use a, a grunt call mostly to just kind of stop them in their tracks or, or maybe inch them a little bit closer. Yep. Yep. Correct. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the main call that I've had the most luck with is rattling for sure. Just cause it, you know, I hunt the big, you know, where we hunt, it's a big woods. It's not, there's, there are fields, but your fields are surrounded by super thick woods and the fields are slender and skinny. Um, if you're hunting giant fields, you know, rattling can help some, like obviously if you're using a bow or whatnot, but in the big woods rattling, uh, is effective, you know, it, the sound travels long distances, and I uh, feel like it can really be effective in uh, reaching those deer that you might not ever see and getting them a little closer. And really the concept behind that is like the same as, as with elk. It's just the, it either represents deer raking or fighting and marking their territory effectively. Am I right with that or? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They're in the rut. They're trying to breed. If another, if they're, you know, if they got a doe, uh, you know, if they've, they're, they're locked down on a doe and another, another buck comes in that he's not going to let that other buck come in and, uh, you know, make it happen with her either. He's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna defend his territory and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're buddies all year round for the most part. You see them in the summer and the early fall, they're all, they call them bachelor groups. They're all together. Um, then in October, they, uh, they'll start to, you'll start seeing them on cameras. They'll start sparring a little bit. They just call them tickling antlers. You know, they're starting to kind of bump heads a little, uh, you know, their chests are starting to puff out a little bit. Testosterone's rising, levels are rising. And then when this, when, when the rut hits and it's full peak, all the hormones are, are, uh, 
are at the right levels, man, they're, they're not nice to each other anymore. <laughs> um, they're no longer friends for another few weeks. They, they, they think about one thing and one thing only for, you know, week, two weeks span. And, uh, yeah. And that is, uh, finding their lady. <laughs> <laughs> and so do you find with rattling, like, do you find that that is, is really only effective on some of the bigger, more mature bucks? Cause I mean, I guess, cause logically you think about like, okay, you hear deer rattling, it's, it's got some decent antlers. You're not going to necessarily get some of the smaller, smaller, less dominant yeah. bucks coming in. No, absolutely. That is fair. Somewhat true. You know, some might shy away from it. That's why like, you know, I don't always rattle. Um, sometimes I do, um, a trial, a trial and error thing. You, you try it sometimes and some days it's going to work. And some days, you know, you feel like you might be doing more harm than good. <laughs> um, and it's, it's really just a, it's just a, a deal you got to play with. Um, but I, I definitely would agree with that and say that that is somewhat true. You know, you're less mature bucks. You're probably, you might spook off. Um, and you might even spook off the mature ones. It's just one of those things, you know, you got to try it and it might work sometimes. Sometimes it might not. You just got to find that right buck that's in that mood, wants to fight, is yeah. rip roaring and ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. And if he's not, more than likely, he's going to go, he's going to turn the other way if he's not in that kind of mood. Well, <laughs> I would say it's safe to say if it's pretty much full blown rut, which it will be for the next 10 to probably from now in the next 10 days pretty safe to rattle um i wouldn't go go real crazy but it's safe to um you know when, before and after it's definitely a time where you don't want to go too hard at it so uh when you say don't go too crazy um how i guess how much how often do you do you rattle when you're sitting up in a tree stand at this time of the year um i'll get in you always want to let the woods you always want to let them, uh, let them settle. And you know, when they're settled, like you'll get in there and, uh, it's just a feeling you'll get, you'll, you'll know, uh, you know, you'll start hearing birds again, you know, you know, when they're settled back in, you'll hear the birds, you hear some squirrels, you hear some, you'll just hear some, you'll hear the woods again is a good way to put it. Um, when you're settled in and then, at, you know, 20, 30 minutes in, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll start a sequence. Um, I'll rattle for, probably 20 seconds or so. Um, I've never really timed it. So it's hard. <laughs> uh, I would say, you know, 15, 20 seconds. Uh, and then I'll let it cool off for maybe a second or two. And then I might rattle them again for another five seconds. And then I'll just let it sit, you know, sit for a while. Um, you could probably do it every, you know, hour or so. Um, I don't do it more than three or four times in a sit. Sometimes I just do it once. Um, like I said, it kind of goes back to that feel, but that's a good sequence, maybe 15 seconds or so, let it stop them and then put them back together, you know, crack them back together and let it go another five, six seconds and then just end it there. Um, earlier in the year, people will tickle them. So they'll just kind of rub them together real small, but that's a good rut, a good rut sequence in my opinion. Okay. It sounds sounding like I'm going to have to, uh, pick up some rattling antlers, uh, on my, on my way out to Missouri. Cause this, this, I, I also feel like it makes, it makes it easier for me to sit. Cause it feels like I'm, I'm doing something. Yeah. Does that make, you know, it's yeah, like, it, helps, it helps me too. It helps me too. Cause I'm the same way. I feel like I'd be doing something to help lure something in. Um, sometimes silence is best. So, uh, you know, I'm an experienced hunter, but I'm not an expert. So I'm sure there's other places that people could research to really find it, but I'm just telling you what's worked best for me. Um, and that's kind of, that's kind of how I, how I do it. So is there anything else that I should keep in mind or, or think about or prepare for as I'm, as I'm going into the whitetail woods for the first time? Yeah. I mean, the, the other big thing is, you know, if somebody is is hunting for the first time, um, you know, everyone talks about all these big deer and, you know, be proud of, of your, of your animal. You know, you're out there to, to learn the sport of hunting, to be with your friends, to, to create memories, practice conservation, you know, respect the animal. Um, you know, every, every animal's 
great. You know, use, use the meat, use every part of it you can. And, uh, you know, not, not everyone's gonna, gonna be a giant. Um, we definitely practice quality deer management where we are. Um, but not everyone has, you know, a private piece of land. I know plenty of people that only have public access and, uh, you're, you're limited. So I, I don't, I don't ever discriminate on, on what people kill. You know, every, every animal special, every animal has a story behind it and, uh, and it's going to create a memory for someone. So I would say just, uh, you know, enjoy the hunt and, uh, be proud of, of the outcome, whatever it is. That is, you know, and I think that is good to remember. And it's just an awesome reminder for everyone, regardless of whether you're hunting whitetail, mule deer, turkey, elk, bear, every harvest is a trophy without a doubt. Absolutely. Hey, all over the past several weeks, I have been talking to you a lot about Live Bearded. And for those of y'all that are growing a big old bushy beard for the first time, you may not realize that there is a process involved in keeping it healthy and looking, feeling, and smelling good. Now, y'all may have been heading on over to the website, checking out the products, and wondering what the whole process is to use all of these. Well, let me break it down for you really quick. First thing you do, the most important step, step number one, is to make sure you grab a large stick or baseball bat. Bring it into the bathroom with you, close and lock all the doors before you start any of this process. So next step after that, hop in the shower, grab your beard wash, lather it up in your beard just like you would any shampoo in your hair. The benefit of this beard wash is it won't dry out your beard. It'll help keep it clean without anything that's going to harm it, make it dry and brittle. So when you're done with your shower, hop out, dry off your beard, get the majority of the water out of there, and you head on over and you grab the beard oil. Now, the beard oil, contrary to the name, is not for your beard. It's for your skin underneath. And one thing a lot of people complain about when they're growing a large beard is how itchy it gets and how dry their skin gets. After your shower, you just apply a little bit onto your fingers and massage it into the skin underneath your beard. Finally, you want to grab your beard butter. Now, this is the point of the process. You may hear some scratching and pounding at your door. Don't be concerned. This is totally normal at this part of the process. The beard butter is a conditioner for your beard. It'll have a little bit of hold so you can help tame those flyaways, but it'll really make your beard softer and more manageable and it'll make it smell absolutely fantastic so you just grab a little bit massage it between your hands till it all melts and then rub it into your beard then you finally grab your beard comb and tame the whole beast down so at this point you're looking you're feeling great and this is the key moment where you need to be very very careful so before you head out of the bathroom what i need you to do is grab that stick or that baseball bat that you first brought in hold it in one hand and then just brace yourself as you slowly open that door because on the other side of that door there is going to be a flood of women trying to get at your awesome well-groomed fantastic smelling beard they're going to want to run their hands through it they're going to want to smell it they're going to want to constantly be all over you unfortunately this is a side effect of live bearded that i cannot control so just really all you can do is be prepared for it so y'all that is the fairly simple process you have to go through to really keep a healthy happy beard make sure y'all head on over to livebearded.com they are currently having a ten thousand dollar cash giveaway and all you have to do to enter is to buy any of their products every five dollars you spend on the website is an entry into the giveaway and that's ten thousand dollars in cash think about all the hunting gear and tags you could buy with ten thousand dollars in cash additionally they have all kinds of awesome scents they've just released their limited edition holiday scents so make sure y'all check that out and use code twi10 to get 10 percent off your order at livebearded.com so i want to switch gears here a little bit and i want to hear you know, coming from a background and, uh, you know, as we talked about whitetail hunting, a, a very different style of hunting, I want to hear about uh, 
your first elk hunt. And, you know, I'd be curious to know uh, maybe kind of what you expected it to be initially and, and what you did to prepare. And then we can contrast that a little bit with how, <laughs> what the reality was and, and, you know, what you did different your second time around, but yeah. just really, I, you know, tell me a little bit about that first elk hunt. Yeah. So I guess I've been on three now. Okay. Um, so this year was my third year. My first year, um, we were on public land and, uh, it was a grind, man. We, uh, we had like a semi guided deal and, um, uh, it was tough, dude. You know, we obviously, we did our research and, uh, watched the videos and we had that guide with us some of the time. And, uh, it was, uh, it made, you know, <laughs> maybe really appreciate it. Cause you, you think it's easy. You see these guys just calling these bulls into 10 yards. And you're like, dude, it looks so easy. Like elk hunting's way easier. White tail hunting. You can get so close. You know, I thought I was starting to think these animals aren't, aren't near as, you know, intelligent or alert as whitetail. And, uh, I'm wrong. I can tell you that, uh, <laughs> they're, they're tricky. Um, and I learned that first year out, man, it was tough where, like I said, public land, we, you know, I, I think the closest I got to one was maybe a hundred yards and with, a, you know, with your bow, it's just not that uh, you can't make that shot. Uh, I can't at least. Um, so it, it was fun though. We heard some bugles. We had, you know, a couple hundred close hundred yard encounters and, uh, it was enough to get me just all in hooked to where I had to go the <laughs> next year. Next year was a, a rifle hunt, but I went with my, I took both rifle and gun. I hunted. This one was on private land. I got an awesome opportunity to go to a place called white river mountain ranch and, uh, near steamboat springs. And it was a rifle hunt. And I took my bow the first three days, three of the five days I took my bow, uh, try and make it happen. And, uh, they just weren't really responding to calls really well. It was kind of over. Um, they were herded up. It was hard to pull the bulls away from, from their cows and, uh, just made it tough, uh, to get in, get in, get in amongst them and get a shot on one. So, uh, the final day, a couple, a couple final days, I decided to swallow my pride and I really wanted to harvest an elk and, uh, get some of that delicious meat back home. So, uh, I, uh, swallowed my pride and took my rifle out, harvested, uh, an elk. And it was, uh, it was amazing, man. I was great experience. It was euphoric. Had hit my hands on, the on that creature that I've been dreaming of killing my whole life. It was just, it was awesome. So what were some of the things that you kind of expected, like before, before you ever headed out into the elk woods, what did I don't know. What did you kind of expect out of the hunt and how did that, how did that compare to what it was actually like? I guess I, one thing I didn't know how much we were going to do is walk. And hike. <laughs> um, that was one thing that I was not prepared for. Um, I would say either years, I wasn't very prepared. Now this year we went on a bow hunt again to white river mountain ranch and I was full blown prepared. You know, I, I prepped for it for all year. You know, I worked, I got on a, super, I was in the gym five, six days a week, pretty strict, uh, eating program. And I was prepared. I was in great shape this year. Never, never really felt my body get tired. And that's a big, a big thing that I've learned with elk hunting. You gotta be in shape. It's a, you know, you gotta live a good lifestyle in order to, to, uh, be able to hang out there. So, uh, that, that was one thing that I wasn't prepared for the first time, first go around. I would say also, you know, I, I really thought it was going to be easier than it is. <laughs> it really is. They, they, they have very good senses and are uh, smart creatures. I was really blown away because I would, you know, I always kind of figured like, okay, um, you know, yeah, they're alert. They've got good senses and stuff. But I, it's, I think same kind of thing that you, you mentioned earlier is I, felt like I was going to have a lot more leeway with them than with deer. For example, I thought I was going to be able to get away with more, get in closer on them before they started spooking, you know, their eyesight maybe wasn't going to be quite as sharp for some reason. I don't know. And I was, I was very much disabused of that notion this year. You know, I kind of, I, I hadn't really been getting into elk for the past couple of years. And this year I finally was really getting into them. And so I, I, 
finally got to make all those mistakes and learn those lessons, which was, which was really interesting. Um, I, you know, they spot the tiniest bit of movement. And so you just have no chance sometimes it feels like. Yeah, man. And there's so much to learn about them too. This year, you know, I learned so much more. Uh, it's cool every year, uh, you know, and you can do as much reading and, and video watching as you, as you want. But when you're out there doing it, man, it's, you learn so much and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's cool to, to experience that and, uh, grow as an outdoorsman. So maybe somebody is, uh, in a similar situation as you, they've been hunting their whole life, maybe whitetail and turkey, you know, kind of that sort of stuff. But, you know, they've always wanted to go out elk hunting. You know, they they think it sounds amazing. What uh, what tips would you what tips would you give them? Uh, what would you what would you tell them as they're preparing for their first elk hunt? First one would be just do it. No, quit thinking about it. Quit waffling about it. Um, it is a lot of money, but it's a, it's, if it's something you always want to do, it's something that you will not, you know, you won't regret the spend. I promise if you, if you can make, if, you know, if you can make swing it, I would do it because it's, it's absolutely awesome. Um, and then the next thing would be start training. Now, if you want to, uh, if you want to effectively hunt the animals, you got to be able to go where they are. It takes 45 minutes and thousands of feet in elevation change to get there. Um, better be ready to cover some country and, 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 and hike and hike in. Um, and you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to be, you don't want your body to be out of shape and, and question that you want it. You're, you want it to be ready to rock. So when you see those animals or you hear them, you're just like, let's go get them. Even if you've already been on two bulls that morning and you're tired, you know, you hear the next one, you want to be like, let's go. Because if you're not that if you're not that aggressive and you're not in shape enough to to want to do that, then the hunt won't be what it what it what it should be. Um, so that would be my advice. It would be just get get in shape. Um, that's the biggest thing. No one can train for you know I live nearly at sea level and no one can train for the elevation. Uh, you know the way the elevation makes you feel and the altitude, but that that you get over that after a day or two just having your legs in shape your lungs in shape is is a big deal so uh what gear did you find was uh, especially essential you know we kind of talked about stuff that stuff you use in a whitetail hunt what was some of the you know maybe a couple items that you thought were just absolutely essential during your elk hunt so it's really i'm gonna i'm gonna plug go wild a little here because it's something awesome that we've just released called gearbox and this is a thing that i'm going to utilize a ton going forward and a lot of other people are going to as well i'm about to build out my elk hunting gearbox so i can build i'm going to build out my whitetail gearbox my elk hunting gearbox and what it is is uh, someone could go on my profile and click my gearboxes and look at all of my setups whether it be my bass fishing whitetail elk hunting setup and that's going to be uh, a really cool feature we have moving forward because I was in the boat where I didn't know the right kind of gear. So I was Googling, reading all these articles, and we're now going to have a one-stop place for somebody to roll in and see an experienced hunter's gearbox and the kind of things they'll need. Um, but with that said, um, the, a couple purchases that I made that I, I didn't, you know, uh, I learned that I had to have was uh, a good pair of hiking boots. Here at home, I, mean, I don't hike that much. You know, you're walking to your tree stand. Uh, I have, and I, and we are, we're around a lot of snakes, poisonous snakes, rattlesnakes, and copperheads. So I wear just a lot of like knee tall rubber rubber boots. If it's really cold, then I'll and the snakes are in dormant. I'll wear my super heavy, you know, 1,200 gram insulated boots. Um, now. Neither of those are going to work very well out west. So um, <laughs> I bought uh, some Irish. I bought some Irish setter uh, boots to uh, to hike around in, and those were worth every cent of the investment I made on them. So that was probably numero uno, the most important piece of gear that I added to my arsenal to go out west and hunt. Was a good pair of boots, and you know I'll tell you. That's one of the first things anybody that 
I think anybody that Western hunts will tell you, it's like the two things you invest in are your boots and your pack, everything else, everything else, if you need to, you can skimp on, but, uh, boots, especially if you, if you do not have good boots, you're going to be in for a really rough day. Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of go wild, um, you know, I've had, I've had Brad, uh, on the podcast and we talked a lot about go wild. I mean, that was, that was a, a, a quite a while ago though. Um, you know, go wild was still pretty young at the time. And, uh, you know, a lot has changed, uh, on the platform since, uh, since I've had Brad on, um, I'd love, I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about what you do with go wild. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I am chief strategy offer officer. Um, I help with, uh, you know, this from the standpoint of where are we going next? What, what, what's next on, on our plate? What, uh, which way are we going to pivot to make the app better, um, to make the users, uh, happier to make the experience a little, a little more friendly. And that's, that's kind of what, kind of what I do. I do help with, uh, marketing direction, you know, how, which, you know, who should we target? Who should we go after? How should we do it? How, how, you know, how we should do it and whatnot. Um, so that's, that's my role there helping a lot with, with those, with those things. So I just need to then make sure that I include you on my group text messages with, with Brad and Chris, whenever I'm uh, constantly requesting new features then. So. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Please do. Please do. (laughs) Oh man. I'm sure Brad and Chris will be happy to hear they they've got some extra relief to share the burden of my constant. Hey, you know, what would be really cool and go wild. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. We get a lot of those and we listen to every one of them. We really do. Um, user feedback is huge to us and, uh, every message we get, every request, we, we listen to it and we entertain the idea because that's, you know, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make it a better, a better environment for outdoorsmen to come and, uh, and use it and interact with others and, uh, learn. So speaking of the gearbox, you know, I want to have you talk a little bit more about what that is. Cause that, that is a really cool feature and it does tie in, uh, the way you guys are doing it. it's tying in with conservation, which is awesome. Um, but I guess my first question is, are you going to be adding the gearbox to my personal profile? Cause I'm, I'm looking, I'm thinking that would be something that would be really cool to see when, you know, you share your, uh, I guess, share your personal link or whatever to be able to see, you know, the gear I'm using as well when I'm sending that to, uh, to new folks. Hint, hint. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. That is, uh, that is definitely something that you're going to be able to do. Um, gearbox, uh, there's a few, a few main initiatives behind why we did it. Um, one is, you know, you want to show off, uh, your gear, you want to tell people what you use there, you know, that's, that's great. And all second off is, uh, the second reason that I think is maybe one of the most important reasons. And that is to learn what gear you need to use. Like uh, I had no clue when I was going elk hunting, you know, you're sitting here picking my brain about whitetail hunting. Um, if we didn't have the luxury of being able to be on the call right now, you could just hop on the app, go to my whitetail setup and see exactly what I got in my, in my gearbox for my whitetail uh, hunt. And, you know, I'm no expert, someone on there, I'm sure there's plenty of other hunters who are better than me on the app. Um, you could go cruise theirs too, and kind of com- compare and contrast and see what, uh, see what you need to be rolling with. Um, and if it's something you really, really want, then, uh, this is the third initiative behind gearbox. Um, if it's something you really, really want, you can, right there easy click purchase takes you to uh it'll take you to one of our affiliates and uh you can purchase from the link right there and uh we're up front and outward about telling people that we are making money on this uh however uh we are going to donate a portion of those proceeds to conservation um and try and give back uh to the outdoors and i think that you know that's such an awesome thing to do. And I love seeing so many companies moving in that direction. Um, It's easy for us to just get into the whole 
hunting is conservation mindset. And, you know, we're doing our part by buying our tags and, you know, and going hunting. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure that's really why you're hunting. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it's a valuable thing. And I'm not, I'm not being down on, on that at all. But it takes a special mindset to, uh, to go over and above and really take that next step to help further fund conservation, conservation organizations and those efforts, because, uh, there's, there's never enough funds going around. Um, I don't think there ever possibly will be. There's always more projects, always, uh, always more animals that, that need help more wild places that can, that can use our support. So it's really cool to see that. Absolutely, man. That, I totally agree. And that's where, uh, that's where we're, well, we're just, at least we're out, outward about it and telling people, look, yeah, we might make a little bit of money on your, just not much. Cabela's or whoever we see you make most of it, but at least what we're making on it, we're going to give some back. Awesome. Well, as we are winding down here, um, where can folks find you if they want to follow along with the hunting and fishing adventure? Absolutely. Uh, so obviously I'm on the go wild app. You can search me, John Hunter, um, download the app, go to the search bar and, uh, you'll be able to find me, all my gear setups, all my trophies, um, all my posts, everything I'm doing on there. And then also, if you want to look me up on, uh, Facebook and Instagram, I'm Jay Hunter fishing. And uh, I have a YouTube page as well, which is John Hunter fishing. Um, I'm also a professional bass fisherman, if any of y'all don't know. That's what I do a lot of the year aside from hunting and uh, my go wild duties. Oh, and also for our, this year's elk hunt, we uh, had my buddy Tanner out, who's a awesome videographer. And anyways, he, he traveled with us on the hunt and uh, put together a, a pretty sweet edited film of our hunt from this year. So uh, if you guys get a chance, you can check that out on my YouTube page. Perfect. Well, y'all, I will make sure to link to all of those pages on the show notes page, which is going to be the wild initiative.com slash one twenty five. So John, just uh, one thing I always like to end with, if you know, maybe you were talking with someone about hunting and fishing, whatever it is, and say maybe they're like myself from the city, they didn't grow up uh, in hunting, you know, in this environment. And they said to you, Hey, uh, I'm a little intimidated by all this. I want to do it, but I don't, I don't know if I can. What, what advice or words of wisdom would you give them? Um, I would tell them that it's not something you have to do. I don't want, you know, people shouldn't feel pressured to go hunting or fishing or, or, or go kill something. You know, that's the big obstacle that a lot of people, a lot of people have. They're like, man, I think I'd really like, you know, everything else, but you know, killing something. I'm like, well, that, that's fine. Um, you know, get outside, enjoy the outdoors. You don't have to necessarily harvest an animal to enjoy, you know, God's creation out here. Um, it's something that, uh, that anybody can, can come out and, uh, experience. And, um, uh, I just tell people just come try it. You know, I'm big into, uh, into getting people to just try something. Uh, I'm having a guy down to our farm this week, from Australia and then he moved here for fishing and, uh, you know, I want him to experience whitetail hunting. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm big into, if you haven't done it, accept an invite, just go give it a try, get in the outdoors and experience it. And, uh, if you don't like it, that's fine. If you, but I have fun, you're going to love it. And, uh, if you're experienced outdoorsman and buy somebody new, man, that's, uh, that's how we're going to keep, uh, keep this awesome thing we have going and the more, uh, the more conservationists, the more hunter and fishermen we have in the world, the better off we're going to be. So, uh, take somebody new hunting this year, share with them how awesome it really is. And I think, uh, good things will, good things will come from it. Fantastic. Well, John, thank you so much for taking the time to hop on the line with me and, uh, talk well, a little bit about everything. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm fairly under the weather. So excuse my raspy voice. And yeah, man, I, I've enjoyed it. Good luck to everyone this year. Good luck to you and uh, Ozarks. Uh, be safe out there and uh, best of luck harvesting an animal. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, y'all, that'll do it for episode 125 of the Wild Initiative. 
Make sure y'all head on over to the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com slash 125. Get links to everything we talked about in today's episode. Big thank you to John for taking the time out of his day to sit and chat with me. Really enjoyed our conversation about whitetail hunting and elk hunting in the same episode. It's not too often I get to do that. Also, all y'all that are starting a brand, a podcast, or already have a brand and are looking to upgrade your digital presence, maybe get some marketing or logo design done, Make sure y'all hit me up at thewildinitiative.com, find that media tab, and look for marketing, design, and branding services. I offer all kinds of digital services. Not all of them are even listed on that page, but you can check out prior examples of my work. Hit me up, set up a time for a consultation, and let's talk about upgrading your digital presence. Also, y'all, make sure you head on over to the support page, check out my Patreon, just a reminder, $1 a month makes a huge difference. It's 12 bucks out of your year. You probably won't even miss it, but it makes a huge difference in what I'm doing over here at The Wild Initiative. There are thousands of you that listen to this podcast each month, and if just a small fraction of you were willing to head on over there, donate a dollar a month, it would make an insane amount of difference. So again, that's thewildinitiative.com slash support. Finally, y'all, make sure you head on over to livebearded.com, pick up a beard bundle, make sure you check out the holiday scents. Again, every $5 you spend is an entry to win that $10,000 in cash, and make sure you use code TWI10 to get 10% off your order. And again, as a reminder, whenever using this product, make sure you have a large stick or bat handy to fend off the ladies that will begin scratching and flocking to your door all right y'all that's going to do it for today looking forward to next week but until then i hope this podcast inspired you to get involved get outdoors and plan your initiative for the wild thank you for listening to the wild initiative please take a moment to leave a rating and review on itunes or stitcher and head on over to the wildinitiative.com to get show notes check out the blog gear discounts other podcasts from the wild initiative family and more 